Lopez has been keeping a secret for a long time, at least from those not living in Las Vegas, Nevada. Since the mid-70s, Jerry has been the leader of Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, one of the most proficient horn-based bands ever. Just how good are they? Let's just say they rank with horn sections such as Chicago, Earth, Wind & Fire, Tower of Power, and the Sea Wind Horns. As lead vocalist and guitarist of the band, Lopez's Fat City Horns play to a packed house every Monday where half of the audience is typically comprised of musicians. In fact, all of the Santa Fe and the Fat City Horn band members are Vegas show musicians themselves. With the release of their new album, When the Curtain Goes Up, Lopez and his Fat City Horns are ready to let one of the best-kept secrets out.
Inside Music Cast welcomes Jerry Lopez. Hey, Jerry, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Hey, I want to start by introducing you to our audience and, and the few who may not know about you or Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. So, you know, if you would tell us in a nutshell a little about the band and how it originated and what it's grown to. Okay, in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the band started as a family group uh-huh. back in the early 70s. It was my brothers, uh, Gilbert, uh, Leonard, and myself, and my father, Gilbert Lopez Sr., uh-huh. And we uh, originally were playing, um, uh, you know, Spanish music and Tex-Mex music and, and uh, you know, a combination of all those things, you know, that, that are New Mexico, because we're from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, in Santa Fe, you know, if you're playing a bar band or a wedding or anything, you know, you're going to play uh, two Spanish songs, a James Brown tune and a Hank Williams song. You know, <laughs> you know that, that thing turned into... A band called Santa Fe. That would before that was uh, Lopez Brothers, you know, or Los yeah. Hermanos Lopez. Right. And then it became Santa Fe <clears throat> when we came to Las Vegas and found ourselves working, uh, you know, uh, a topless review <laughs> back in the seventies, which was a thrill for us. You know, we were like eighteen and nineteen years old. And oh yeah. Does that mean that you guys played without your shirts? That's exactly. That's what I thought. Bad, <laughs> <laughs> <Dad>, really. <laughs> but uh. So, you know, at that time, we were like seven or eight pieces, you know, and had a, a, you know, small horn section, you know, three horns or something. And at that point, the Spanish music fell aside, and we were just playing contemporary pop and, you know, mm-hmm. funk music. And, you know, we were listening to all the groups like uh, Earth, Wind & Fire and Tower Power sure. and Blood, Sweat & Tears. And, yep. And uh, we traveled all over the United States playing, you know, nightclubs and bars and then through the disco era and stuff and um, we ended up we kept landing in las vegas all the guys that were working here you know were making money yeah they had nice cars and nice homes and instead of you know we were going from el paso to albuquerque to denver to san diego these guys were going from the tropicana to the flamingo to yeah <laughs> Caesars, you know yeah. the road trips were a lot shorter yeah I definitely so. <laughs> and uh, so at that point, then, we were a, a much smaller group. At that point, we were, you know, like six pieces, so we could work the lounges. Mm-hmm. And we did that for many years until we kind of just got fed up with it. And, you know, the uh, budgets got lower, the uh, quality of, of, you know, it just it was just really it was just really bad, you know. And so in the mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, 90s, we, we bailed from doing the lounge, lounges entirely, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, at which point, a lot of us went out our own direction. Uh, my brother Lenny went out with Luis Miguel mm-hmm. and uh, started touring with him. I went out with Tom Scott and Bill Champlin and started doing, some, you know, spread my wings, doing other stuff other than... Uh, up to that point, I had only worked with my band my mm-hmm. whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, uh, you know, we, we all spread our wings and did a bunch of different things. And <clears throat> then in 1999... We decided we wanted to come together. Is this a nutshell? Am I going to no, we, outside we, the boundaries of the nutshell? It can be a really big <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> a big okay. nut to crack. So in 1999, <laughs> this is the way it happened, okay? I was the musical director for a, a Mexican artist by the name of Lorenzo Antonio. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we were touring somewhere, and I would use all, a bunch of, you know, our guys from here, you know? And um, we were in a van traveling somewhere, and, and we were listening to some great music, you know, and and we thought, you know what, why don't we put a band together that's not 
based on any of the things that we used to base a band on, you know, because right. we're working professional musicians. And so in the past, it was always, okay, how many pieces can we, can we work with that we can make the most amount of money and still, you know, do what we want to do? And, and, and what will the entertainment directors buy? What will the audiences want? And what is the current, you know, demographic in the lounges? And, you know, all these other things. And so on this van ride, we decided to put together a band not based on any of that stuff, but what do we really want to do, you know? Right. We were all making money, we were all touring and mm-hmm. whatever, and, but none of us were fulfilled musically. Sure. And so we started dreaming, you know? We were like, well, you know, uh, it would be, you know, what would be the configuration of the band we would want, you know, without restriction of, you know, how many people can we afford to pay? Right. And so we came up with this idea of what the horn section would be and then what the rhythm section would be and the singers and you know and right then and there we was the 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 seed you know of what is now santa fe and the fat city horns Mm -hmm. which is a 15-piece band with a six-piece horn section yeah and you know like five singers and uh you know great rhythm section and so that's the whole thing in a nutshell yeah yeah in a big nutshell. Yeah, big nutshell. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, you, you, you guys had a, a long run at the Palms in Las Vegas. You know, you, you're playing gigs there nearly uh, every Monday night. And, and for those who don't know, Monday night is, is called a, a dark night in Vegas, as all of the you know major productions there, like the Cirque du Soleil shows and Blue Man Group and everything else that happens out there, they, they don't perform. So yeah, I, the way I understand it, all the cats in your band that have a free, they, you know, they have a free night uh, because most of those guys are working in those shows, correct? And you know what's tur- it, it used to be a dark night in Vegas, and now what's happened is they keep changing that. Now a lot of times, a dark night, believe it or not, is a Friday night. It's a really weird thing, but wow. the casinos found that a lot of people are coming in on Friday, yeah, yeah, out of town, mm-hmm. and so they're usually tired or they want to keep they want to gamble and they'll go to a show on a Saturday night. Anyway, right, right. So to make you know another long story short, here's the deal. Now a lot of the guys are working on Mondays. And a lot of the shows are on Mondays, so our show is kind of what we would call, you know, kind of late. So we start at ten thirty at night, right? Yeah. And a lot of guys are rushing from their their show that ended at ten o'clock, you know, and and getting over there at ten thirty. Wow, I see. But, but yeah, I was we gonna... were at the Palms for for almost three years. Right, right. And before that, we were at the uh, Palace Station. Oh, okay. A couple of years. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I was saying though is all the, all these guys come together, you know, on their free night, and you guys do, uh, you know, you come together for this incredible gig, you know, week after week, and and I was just going to say what a testament, you know, to the desire to to really want to perform, you know, good solid music, even on your night off, you're you all these guys are still coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I used to have a, a view of a lot of the musicians that were in Vegas; they were like mainly like kamikazes. You know? Yeah, right. And. Uh, <laughs> mercenaries and a lot of these guys you know you can you know you couldn't get them in their car for under a certain amount of money to go do a gig yeah. and, and a lot of them are you know some of the most amazing musicians in the world you know ever since i was here when i was a kid in the in the 70s you know yeah. just amazing musicians that were playing in the in the house bands on the strip you know and but but as it turned out when we decided to put this band together and to go after this dream it, it seemed like we sparked something in all of these guys, something they'd always wanted, but, you know, maybe it had given up on the possibility of it actually happening. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so, 
so I kind of lit the fuse on this thing. And mm-hmm. When when it, it became reality, when uh, we brought the songs to the table and we saw this, you know, we saw what this could really be, and we got together and all of our energies, you know, united. Uh, it, it really became an exciting thing for all of us and for the musicians in the city. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just been, uh, I mean, we've got a, a, a bench you know, like, that's pretty deep of guys who really want to play in the band. Right, yeah, yeah. Yep. And can't wait to sub in the band or or whatever, you know. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, with with really, I can just imagine that the that the number of, of uh, skilled players that are in, in musical productions in Vegas there, I mean, they must be in the hundreds, you know. And uh, my, my, my question is, um, you know, these guys are in such regimented uh, protocols of pay, playing, I don't want to say the same old music, but, you know, night after night, night after night, I bet you your, what you offer to some of these performers is like, man, that one night of freedom of really letting go. So it's a, like a, almost a breath of, of fresh air in the week, right? Isn't that how they oh, look yeah. at it? Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. A, a lot of the musicians are playing, you know, like Phantom uh, of the Opera or Lion King yeah. or Jersey Boys. or And sure. so they go in each night and they play the same notes. Right. And so, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a musician yesterday who subs on baritone sax once in a while. He's like, Jerry, he said, man, playing your gig, it's the hardest book probably, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is in the city, you know. Yeah, play. The arrangements are like that. And, uh, yeah. He said, "Man, he said, he said, playing your gig is like, is like a, a roller coaster ride, or like, <laughs> or like a like a one of these video games, you know, where you your attention is constantly got to be, you know, yeah, on it. And so, yeah, it's it's a real it's a real uh, exercise. It's a it's a you know, it it really puts all of our skills to the test. And yeah. I was telling that, that same guy yesterday, I said, listen, we've got our book now is like." Um, we try to rotate the music so we don't play the same thing, uh, you know, this week that we did last week. And so a lot of times we won't play a song for a month. Right. And I told him, so before I go to that gig on Mondays, even though I've been doing this thing for years now, mm-hmm. I have to run through all of that music. Yeah. It's that complex, you know, and, <laughs> and I don't want to blow it. You know, I, right. our audience is all musicians and entertainers and show people. And, right. You know, I've been, you know, I've told people before, half our audience can do this gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I've been sleeping, baby. Yeah. I've been trying to hold back the hands of time.
Played at the Palms for well, I guess three years, you said, and, and that recently ended there. And now you're over at the uh, Tropicana, sort of on a temporary. I think you're there through the end of, of April, right? Yeah. And uh, tell us about the change in venue. I mean, is the Tropicana promoting you guys more? Is the theater more conducive for your gigs? Yeah. Well, when the gig at the Palms ended, we were kind of bummed because we really liked that room. It was it's a, a great small, room, maybe a 200 seat room. Yeah. And we had, um, you know. Uh, really built it up and and uh you know we had a great sound system in there and lighting we finally gotten the sound and the lights and everything gotten them to, to get it up to par and we were putting on great shows and it was standing room only every monday night yeah so we were bummed but as it turned out it was really a blessing because um friends of ours who were actually fans of the band before they came into the tropicana and i'm talking about the new president the new entertainment director the new mm-hmm. beverage director all of them were fans and they you know they're they're over the top now, and uh, there's a new uh, owner, and they're they're putting millions and millions of dollars into renovating the casino. And when they asked me to come over and talk to them, because they heard it was our last, you know, thing at the Palms, uh-huh. and there were several hotels who, who wanted us to come over and talk to them. But cool. I went over to the Tropicana, and I was really kind of skeptical because I'd been there a long time ago. It's one of the older hotels, and mm-hmm. the lounge they had there just was absolutely would not work. You know, it was open to the casino, and so there's volume restrictions. Sure. The stage was small, and but I went in, you know, to talk to the entertainment director anyway, and she was like, um, you know, let's look around the hotel. Let me show you some of the other rooms we've got, and we've got this other convention area and this and this. And she said, you know, Wayne Newton's in the showroom, and you know, you guys could come in there, you know. And and I was like, well, how big is the theater? And you know, I hadn't been in there for many years. She said it's a 750 seat theater. And I thought, man, it would suck if we go in this room and we get 200 people in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look empty, right? Right. So at the end of our, our little tour there, I said, you know what, let me take a look at this room. And we went in the showroom, 
and it's old school Vegas. All right, it's mainly booths. Yeah, really comfortable booths. Yeah, uh-huh. and you know, a little area up in the front where they had like uh, showroom tables, these long tables that butt right up against the stage. Yeah, uh-huh. and chairs on either side, and the stage is massive. You know, and uh, the more I looked at it, I said, you know what? I said, I I want to come back tonight and see it with Wayne in here. So I came back that night, and with the lights dimmed and the way the room is, yeah. you, it doesn't look like a 750-seat theater. And the lighting grid was awesome, and the, you know, the sound was okay. It was more you know, designed more for what Wayne's doing. Anyway, I took a chance. I said, you know what? Let's do this. If you guys will um, go for me bringing in the sound equipment that we need, and you know, we'll put up the money for that. Um, I'm willing to give it a shot in the showroom, you know? And and they were like, well, you know what? We'll get behind you and we'll do promotional offers. We've got, uh, we'll get a you know Budweiser to sponsor it and we'll do two-for-one drink specials and we'll do uh, room specials for like $39 and, you know, you get wow. a room, you yeah. get VIP seating, you get two drinks, you yeah. get two breakfast buffets, all of these things to promote the band. Wow. I actually saw that on your website. That's a special right now. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, the, ca- the casino got behind us, and they were believed in us, and so I was I was a little freaked out, you know, And but I thought, you know, let's give it a shot. We've always had these, like, immense crowds that can't even fit into the room, you know? Yeah. And right. so let's see what we can do. And, and then also, I was, you know, a lot of the thing with uh, Santa Fe is, since there's so many show people and musicians... There's a big hang afterwards after yeah. one of our shows. Right. And I knew that in a the showroom, they'd want to push everybody out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I well, gotcha. right outside of the showroom in the Tropicana is the lounge. And I thought, well, okay, we can have a meet and greet, you know, kind of hang at the end of our show out there. But what if we had some entertainment out there? And so, um, you know, I pitched this idea to him. I told him, look, what if we brought in a big band? I mean, like, you know, 18-piece, old-school Vegas big band. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Playing the lounge right after us. And they, were, you know, everybody was like, what? Are, I mean, are, you know, do you think that would work? I said, look, give, let's give it a shot. I'll get a big band in here to do it for free on our first Monday night. And if it works, you know, then we'll see if we can get them some dough. So, you know, I took a shot on that. <clears throat> we came in. The first night that we were in the showroom, we got... Uh, over 500 people in the showroom. Wow. And they all spilled out into the lounge <laughs> after our show <laughs> and just filled the casino, and it was this, you know, incredible big band. And now what's going on is I've got five local big bands that we're rotating every Monday night. Oh, cool. You know, and it's just a, a complete scene, you know, and, <laughs> and the audience have, audiences have gotten bigger and bigger. And so so on a Monday night in the Tropicana, starting at 1030 and going till about one you know one thirty in the morning yeah. you know, we do one show and then the big man after us you've got you know probably 40 musicians right you know that are playing and i mean it's just it's an incredible scene i mean we have guest artists like you know uh tom scott dropped in one night and, and, and then wow. Fields was with us the last monday night yeah wow, that's cool Freddie Ravel and uh, dennis chambers mm-hmm. and um you know, the guys from Carlos Santana's band. and Nice. <laughs> so it's always the scene. We don't know what's going to go on, you know. And it's that sort of unpredictability that sort of gets everybody, uh, you know, jazzed yeah. up, right? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. We, we really, we, you know, every now and then we've got a planned guest artist, and we'll actually do a rehearsal and schedule some songs and, mm-hmm. and stuff. But many times it's, you know, it's 
these guys dropping in, you know, out of the blue. Sure, you know? yeah. You know, I experienced one of your shows back in April of 2008 at the Palms, and, and you know, that was the first time I, I saw you guys, and, you know, I was just impressed that the venue was packed. It was standing room only, you know, and uh, and it, you guys just rocked, and I was just completely blown away by it. I was, had my business partner with me, and, he, and, you know, he didn't even know of you guys. He didn't even know what I was taking him to. <laughs> and uh, I was there as a guest of Bobby Glad, your manager, and, you know, he's he's such a he's such a cool cat. He's completely down to earth, you know, and so passionate about his work he does with you guys, and, you know, he's a musician himself, so he completely understands where you're coming from and you know he shares the same passion that all of you have for the kind of music that you guys are playing yeah um you know everybody in the band and all the associates that you know bobby glad who runs the the blog and does photographs and does he does an immense amount of work for the for the band all out of just passion you know mm -hmm. but the one requirement for anybody that's around us is that you know that they have a, a good heart and i mean we have a you know, I mean, it's it's about hangability. You know what I'm saying? When we put mm -hmm. the band together, it was the criteria was, you know, who are great people? Who do we really want to be around? Mm -hmm. You know, and it for me, it seems to be the main ingredient in making real magic with music. You know, I know there are brilliant musicians who maybe don't have you know great uh, bedside manners or or you know aren't the nicest guys in the world, but for me, um, you know, us loving each other. Uh, makes a, a huge difference in in you know in what we create every in every time right. we play. And Definitely, all the people around us, including Bobby and our our, our backline crew and our sound guys, and mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole army of us, <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> and, and, and and we really 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 like each other, you know. And uh, everybody, you know, we're we're all we're all you know we all felt unserved musically in, mm -hmm. in terms of what's out there. And uh, and Bobby G was the same when he you know when he first came in and heard saw the band, it was like we're like one of those bands that you thought you know there wasn't any more of that disappeared a long time ago. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really true. I mean, I I liken it to um, you know there's a scene in uh, Jurassic Park when the scientist goes out to the park for the first time and he jumps out of the jeep because he sees this huge dinosaur and he's <laughs> like. Know, we knew they had existed, but we never, you know, to actually see one's remarkable. <laughs> right. <laughs> and people have the same reaction when they when they see Santa Fe, right, and the Santa City Horns, because you know there really aren't bands like this anymore. I mean, it's true. There just aren't, and yeah. we're you know we're writing so, and it's not like we're rehashing old music or I mean we do some cover stuff, but it's all done in our own way, and and you know sixty to seventy percent of our material is original, so it's like. You know, it's it's old and new. Right, exactly. Time. Speaking of your your set list, uh, so speaking of the music that you have in your big, uh, let's say, your catalog, we noticed uh, a little while ago on your Facebook, uh, you were actually doing some real classics, just exactly what you're talking about, like Rosanna by Toto, uh, You Need a Hero, It's a Pages tune, and of course, it's the the great the Stevie Wonder tune, uh, uh, Higher Ground. Uh, so you really you really uh, intentionally mix it up just for the for the audience and make it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's we cool. you know, um I mean there are some some great great songs that that need to be covered, mm -hmm. you know. But, yeah. but like I said, in in each case we make it our own. It's not like just like okay, sure. let's do this song, you know, it's like let's let's do this great song and let's add our own uh voodoo to it, you know. <laughs> and and so that it so that it showcases, you know, that particular singer and our horn section and Yeah. You know all those things that we do. So and and, and it 
you know, there's a whole thing of sometimes um, in our audience, there'll be like 30% people that have never seen the band before. Right. And so, so laying some familiarity on them is a good thing, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we give them something they've heard in a way they've never heard it before and then introduce them to all of our own stuff. Mm-hmm. We build fans that way. Bobby Glad, your manager, he mentioned that your songbook, and you mentioned a moment ago that it's it's a, one of the biggest, most complicated books out there. And and, uh, and he Bobby said it's as thick as a telephone book. <laughs> and he, he said, you, you know, you guys have so many ch- songs to choose from. And what I'm curious about, you know, do you as a group collectively decide what's going to be on the set list each and every week? And if not, how is that decided? Okay, well, just to give you like the very beginning, here's when we first started the band, um, I told the guys, look, each, for one person to, to go out and to uh, pay for arrangements and or to do arrangements for like enough music to, to do a set would be prohibitive. Mm-hmm. So there's all of us guys. Everybody go out and bring back a song that you've always wanted to play but couldn't get away with anywhere else. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> right. Not sure if it's original or cover, whatever you want to do. And so each guy did, and right there we had 15 songs enough to do a show. Right. 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 Yeah. And since then, it's grown and grown and grown. And so here's what happens. <clears throat> now, I create the set list every Monday, and it really is kind of a, a Rubik's Cube because what I'm trying to do is, and a lot of times it's based on, uh, you know, if a couple of the guys are going to be out of town on tour with somebody, or they're, you know, so I have to kind of, you know, tailor it to who's here, who's not here. Also, what we did over the last two weeks, you know, and so it's kind of a it's kind of a juggling act, you know, and, yeah. and make sure it's not too top heavy in one way, you know, towards um, you know one singer or one soloist, or you know, it doesn't get too Latin, too sure. rock, too funk, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So on I mean, Monday, I've been doing this for so many years. It's like you know, I, 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 I and you know, it's, it's a hit and miss thing. Sometimes the energy of the entire show will flow based on you know picking the right songs. Yeah, and uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes mm-hmm. it does. So, do you rehearse, or do you say, do these guys just pre- are they so talented? They'll look at the charts and they sight read everything. Well, um, here, here's the way that goes: with these 15 guys trying to get everybody together in one place at one time, impossible, is, right? It, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. I've been trying to get a professional band photo. <laughs> years. I'm not kidding you. And I'm just in fact, just today locked it down that it looks like we're going to be able to do it Tuesday night. But in order to do it Tuesday night, we're going to have to pay subs for the guys to get out of their gigs to come and do it. I oh mean, my god! <laughs> like that. Okay. So so talking about rehearsal. Here's what happens. Okay. For example, right now. Um, I'm writing some new stuff for our next project, as is Dave Richardson and some of the other guys, mm-hmm. the other writers in the band. And here's what will happen. I'll create a demo here at the house, here in my little studio, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'll lay it on one of the horn arrangers, and they'll do a horn arrangement. And, you know, I'll separate all the vocal parts and send the MP3s to the singers, and the horn guys will create a PDF files, and they'll, you know, email those out. <laughs> and, and so everything goes out via email, you know, and 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 everybody gets their parts in an MP3 and stuff, and we'll do this for like three or four songs. Right. Then we'll schedule a rehearsal, right? So basically, there will be maybe four rehearsals a year. 
to be hmm. honest with you. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. And I mean, every now and then we'll be able to do a um, at the venue do a sound check during the day if we've got something we really need to you know go over. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times some of the guys can't make that, so we've got subs sitting in for the rehearsals just to make any changes on the charts or whatever. So a lot of times the guys are basic are sight reading this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a real challenge, but but it's a testament to the, uh, the the musicality of these guys that are in the band. Yeah, you know, their ability and and it's pretty amazing. I, I'm not one of those guys. By the <laughs> <way>. I, mean, <laughs> I have to tell you. For me, it's like, um, you know, my reading chops suck, yeah. and I'm like one of those guys that it's more elbow grease than yeah. than anything else. Exactly right. But I'm fortunate enough to, to know to, you know, surround myself with all these other guys who are brilliant, you know, wonderful musicians. Yeah. I took a trip down south. I found a little roadside diner Nestled neath the pines She looked up at me real slowly As the screen door slammed behind my back Yankee boy, what you doing up in here? You done come from the other side of the tracks I said, baby, don't make your mind up Just on what you see A Cajun soul and colorblind What's that more for me to be?
talked about the uh, the horn section a minute ago. It's a six-piece horn section, and of course, uh, you know, you, you got I guess what you would call your six regulars, and there's other backups also, right? You've got you know one or you got two or three deep at each position, correct? Yes. <laughs> well, um, you know, they're, they're just they're just incredible, and it's getting to the point that their reputation is starting to uh, precede them. I mean, they're becoming an entity to themselves, much like uh, the Tower of Power horn section or the Chicago horn section, and and they're in de- they're in demand. Yeah, they are, and and they should be because. Um, you know, we we found this this magic um, chemistry between those those six guys that they you know they they record well, they play well together, they they cover all the bases and and you know I mean for example um, I got a call a couple of years ago from Marty Hom who's a manager for Bette Midler and I'd known Mar- Marty for many years. He's been tour manager for everybody. I met him back in the '80s when he was tour managing. Uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. and he said, "You know, Jerry, we're coming to town. Bette Midler's going to do a show there, and I might need some help. You know, contracting some local musicians because we're not going to bring everybody. You know, and right. we're going to need a, a couple of horn players. You know." And I said, "Well, look, Marty. I said, come out to Vegas. I said, and come see Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, and then you know we'll talk." So he flew out. He saw the band, and he freaked out. And he said, "You know what? Let me get uh, Bette Sussman, the musical director for Bette here." So she flew out, and she loved the band. And so then the next thing, they brought Bette Midler out. And and she freaked out with the horn section. I mean, they'd wanted, like I said, you know, two or three horn players. Mm-hmm. And after they saw this section, they hired all of them. Wow. You know? Wow. So all, which, is, which is a beautiful <laughs> thing for us, which yeah. is because it means that everybody's together still. Right, right. Doesn't interrupt our Monday night. That's all we really <laughs> about. <laughs> Man, you're so selfish. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am so selfish about this. <laughs> but that's just one example of the. Yeah. I mean, Bill Champlin's used them on on his rec, his newest record. Right. They do a lot of stuff now, you know. Hmm. You know, uh, we visited, speaking about Bill, we noticed uh, on your website, uh, I actually went up there to try to recognize some of the faces in the band, and I noticed that there's a picture of you and Bill Champlin, and <laughs> I started laughing so much when I, I clicked on the photo, and underneath it, the title, it said, Luke Skywalker and <laughs> Luke Skywalker and Yoda. <laughs> I, I love that. That, that was great. I, <laughs> I take it you're Yoda, right? Of course. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that, that's such a great, you know, you've, you've worked with Bill for so long, uh, over the years. Years, you've toured, you've done live shows, and uh, a question: Has he ever sat in with you guys? You, you, you mentioned that he's done a couple uh, oh, yeah, yeah. little sets with you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, Bill, cool. Bill. Anytime he's in town, he's sitting in with Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. He's the best. And yeah. um, you know, we we do a few of his songs, you know, uh, in our show, and we've you know we've got him always on the ready in case he's around. And um, you know, Bill Champlin's been like a big brother to me for many many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, a huge influence, you know, for a long, long time. And uh, you know, we um, it, it's a it's a longer story than I can share here. But I have to tell you that the way that I got to meet Bill was was I stalked him. You know what I'm saying? He was such a huge influence and a big hero to me that I found a way to meet him, which which was just you know like totally you know crazy. And uh, we became friends. And he never even heard me at that point, you know. And or, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember one time telling him, you know, Bill, one of these days we're going to make music together. And he looked at me like, "Are you insane?" You know. was. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, as it's turned out, he's been a real. Um, he's been a, one of my benefactors. You know, everything. Uh, most of the good things that have happened to me in my career, in one way or another, have come 
either directly or peripherally from Bill Champlin. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah. That is my, cool. my association with Tom Scott, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I met Tom at Bill's house, you know, and, and Bill brought Tom out to see Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, I was, you know, with Tom Scott for almost five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And through that, through my affiliation with Tom Scott, a ton of other doors opened up for me. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that. Well, you know, speaking of Bill, and I, you know, Bill just uh, went on a, a kind of a short tour here recently, and uh, you and some of the guys from, from Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns went out with him. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, back in 90, I don't know, 93, 94, uh, Bill wanted to do a uh, European tour and a Japan tour and stuff, mm-hmm. doing his solo stuff. And he called me and said, Jerry, um, you know, I want you to come do this thing with me. And I said, I'd love to, you know. And, and he said, you know, I'd like to bring a, a bass player and a drummer also, you know, and you have some guys. And I said, Absolutely. You know, I got I got the perfect guys, and and I remember this is funny because this goes back to us talking about the people that we surround ourselves with. But he said, uh, well, you know what? If if you tell me that that they're great musically, he says I completely trust you. Mm-hmm. He said, but uh, how do they bust? <laughs> you know, and talking about their hangability once again. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, right, right, right. If you tell us they can play, I trust you. Yeah. But can we can we be in a bus? You know, traveling <laughs> all around Europe or whatever. <laughs> bus now. I- that's important. How do they bust? You know, I mean, it's like that. You know, so we have some laughs together and have a good time. That's important. You know, yeah, everything. So, so I brought uh, Roshan Westmoreland and Eddie Garcia, who was our drummer at the time. Yeah. And um, you know, we had a. It was a. It's a it was a, just a burning band. You know, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we kind of put that re put that band together to do a, a short uh, West Coast tour in November. Right. We had a, we had a wonderful time. <laughs> very bussable guys. <laughs> very bussable, man. We just... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, whenever Bill calls me, it's like, yeah, I'll drop whatever I'm doing to go do it. I've got a question for you, Jerry. You know, where, where you're coming from with your music and your uh, music history and the family, and then now the stuff that you're doing is, is um, it's sort of weird. Um, it seems so jazz-oriented. I listen to most of the material you've got and, and the chordings and the phrasings and everything. It just... Total jazz, and I know that one of the reasons that it's like that is because you know the kind of cats that you have playing with you. You follow me? But uh, how? And and you you just mentioned a couple minutes ago that you know their their uh, expertise or their their chops are so formidable and they're so uh, so so talented that uh, you know they're. I mean, these guys are basically real straight up jazz guys at heart, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We've got some we've got some guys here that are you know. I mean. Nathan Tenoy, our trombone player, yeah, uh, who does a lot of the horn arrangements, mm-hmm. writes for like big jazz bands all around the, you know the world, and uh, I mean, you know, he's just he, seriously formidable writer, composer, arranger. You know, Dave Richardson, our keyboard player, who mm-hmm. also does a lot of the horn charts, is the same way. These guys are, you know, incredible musicians. Here's the cool thing: is that like, I come from a total street funk world, okay? okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And and spent, you know, years working, um, you know, like with Ricky Martin and doing that whole Latin right. thing. I worked with Mexican artists. I grew up playing Tejano, you know, yeah. Norteño, sure, right. mariachi, trio, Sals, cumbia. Sals, you know, so I come yeah. from that world, okay? Right, exactly, sure. So what happens is when you get myself, who is more comfortable playing uh, James Brown groove than anything else in the world, and you get these 
really sophisticated jazz guys together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? We we create this stew, yeah, that that tastes like jazz, yeah, you know, but has that that street edge, you know, mm-hmm, right? So that's that's what you know, like you say, you listen to a lot of the chord progressions. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of the stuff these guys are writing, I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> can we truncate that just yeah. a little bit? <laughs> I, can just, I can just imagine what it would be if, uh, you know, sometimes when you assign the different horn parts to some of the guys, what you come back with and thinking, holy cow, what's this going to sound like? This is, this is oh. weird stuff. I mean, you it's must have awesome. to really, you must really have to digest it in a special way, you know? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Like um, on, this, on our last CD, uh, When the Curtain Goes Up, right. I wrote this song, uh, Pack It Up. Yeah which is the last song on the CD, and it it's sure basically is, yeah. a, just a funk tune, you know? And uh, I gave the song to Nathan Tenoy, and what he brought back, I had to sit here and I just laughed. You know what I'm saying? It was so beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's not easy. It's a real complex thing that he did, but it's, you know, it's just, it just tickled me, you know? Sure. Yeah. You were talking about street education and, you know, being street educated. And on your site, there's a great testimonial about uh, you from a past guest of Inside Music Cast, uh, Jay Graydon. And, he, you know, he essentially said that you're street educated, which he said is the the best, you know, music education that you, that you can have. And, and you've got a great feel and that you've conquered, you know, many musical boundaries. And right. tell us a little bit, you know, for those who really don't understand the term of, you know, street educated. Tell us about that and, and how you learn music. When I say street educated, I mean I'm not like I didn't um, I didn't have a lot of uh, academic training. Right. You know, I grew up. I was playing the guitar when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I I'd made uh, probably fourteen records uh, in Spanish music by the time I was fourteen years old. Wow. And and you know I was on the road traveling with mariachis and doing Mexican stuff and um, so my my education came from doing it and playing in bars and. You know, uh, I mean, real hardcore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I spent my early teens playing in places where I was the band and the bouncer. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And and when I was a, and when I was a kid in school, it was like I really wasn't a great student. You know, yeah. And 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 but I did have offers to you know even like offers of scholarships and and things, and I I didn't take advantage of them because I was too busy gigging. Right. You know, yeah. And 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 uh, I regret all of that. I really do, especially now, you know, but, um, uh, so that's, when I talk about street, you know, it's like, by the time a lot of the guys that play with us now who have got, you know, these wonderful educations and are, are incredible musicians, right. when, when these guys were, you know, in college and, and, and doing all of this stuff, I'd already been a professional musician for many <laughs> years, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Exactly what you're saying. And, and done a bunch of stuff, and, and so... You know, and, and it's still, like I say, it's a wonderful stew, even of our personalities and our sensibilities, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of times, these guys are the voices of, of reason for, you know, for me, you mm-hmm. know? You know, and, and I did, you know, I, I did go back and, and, and I studied some theory and uh, here at UNLV, and I, I, you know, I still, you know, I still study as much as I can to connect the dots, you know, because... Yeah. Right. You got to play with all of these guys. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But then again, it's like you said. You know, it's uh, different roads lead you all together, and here you are. All this is like you said, this stew of amazing talent that's together, and you guys are just tearing it up. You know, that's yeah. awesome. That's great. I'm really blessed. I think I've told people. I think if I, you know, I mean, if I have a gift, it's probably the ability to surround myself with all these kind of people and inspire them 
to you know what I'm saying to go a little further. Sure, exactly. Yeah. You know, and and um, I I just you know I just have this ability to like get things done. Yeah. You know, with all of these guys, as much of a Rubik's cube as it is, right? To make it happen, you know, we do it. Yeah. You know? Sure. Well, you mentioned that you sort of let up a little uh, a few minutes ago, but let's get to it. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on your new album. It's uh, it's called When the Curtain Goes Up, and uh, and it's a phenomenal album. We've talked about a couple of the tracks already, but let me ask you a question. Where, where did you record this? In Vegas, in the studio? Uh, where, where did you actually go into to record we, the album? We, we, we recorded the, the tracks uh-huh. here in Las Vegas at the UNLV, at, at the University Studio. Uh-huh. And it be honest with you, originally when we came up with the idea of doing this, we were going to either record it at the studio at the Palms, which they've got a world-class studio up there. Wow. 
or one of the other new studios here in town, and I wanted to go into UNLV just to create um, template tracks, work tracks. And when we went in there to do that, the sound we got back just from that, I was so impressed with it that I decided to just continue working there because I've got a big room where we could all, you know, we could get done what we needed to do. Right. And so we recorded the basic tracks there. I mean, all the rhythm section and horn tracks and stuff. And then um, I've got a little uh, pre-post recording studio where I've got, you know, uh, a booth and good mics and uh, good preamps and software and stuff. And so we did all the overdubs and all the vocals in my place. And then we uh, took it to Los Angeles and had it mixed by uh, an incredible engineer by the name of Steve Sykes, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, he's just, uh, he's just an amazing, amazing engineer. Right. And uh, so we, you know, we gave it to him to do the, the mix. You mentioned the recording facility at the Palms. Um, I've seen, I think if you go to their website, they actually advertise that for bands to come in and, you know, have a, you know, uh, to use the studio there. And they, I think all the, it's kind of interesting. They've got video cameras set up, so then they've got special rooms for the bands to where they can go into and they can actually stay tapped into the session while they go back to the room. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, really, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> And they're wonderful people up there that, that run the studio, you know, yeah. great people, and it's, it's, it's a cool hang, you know. It's more of, um, I mean, I've done sessions up there for a lot of, you know, like LL Cool J and a lot of the rap people, and mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jackson, you know, got, you know, rest his soul, but um, did a lot of sessions for a lot of people up there, and it's and they've got it all set up so that you can, if you're, you know, because a lot of major artists go there, you can get in and out with anybody, out anybody seeing you. You can go from your suite to the studio. Wow. They've actually got the Pearl Theater downstairs and the lounge wired so that you can right. record live directly to the studio. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, that's very you know? cool. But but along with that, all of those, uh, you know, amenities, there's a price tag, you know, <laughs> of the studio. <laughs> we're, we're all doing yeah. this ourselves. So, right. you know, we wanted to get a good, clean track, mm-hmm. you know, right. and then put it in the hands of a really good engineer who can, mm-hmm. you know. Well, speaking of your new album, When the Curtain Goes Up, um, I, we, we're curious to know how you selected the players for the recording as opposed to the live shows, or, or was everybody involved? Everybody was involved. Cool. Hmm. All cool. The, it's all the guys. Very nice. cool. Yeah. We did, the only guest artist on, on the um, CD is a gentleman by the name of Cat Gray, who... Um, was with Prince for years mm-hmm. and, um, you know, worked with Stevie Wonder and worked with uh, just a ton of people. And we were working together with Wayne Brady. He was a musical director of the Wayne Brady Show. Right. When we were making the record. And, um, you know, he heard some of the little uh, work tracks that I was working on. And he said, uh, you know, Jerry, you know, how would you feel about me playing, you know, some synth stuff on this particular song? Because it's, you know, it's so old school funk said, I've got all the analog stuff at home, you know, he's just like a total, you know, he's a, he's got every vintage uh, instrument, you know, forever, and uh, I said, you know what, go ahead and, and do your thing, and let's see what happens with it, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it comes out, and I'll talk to the guys, and anyway, what he did was so remarkable that, you know, everybody was like, absolutely, leave it on, you know. Right. That's, you know, other than that, it's all, it's, it's all of us. That's you know? cool. You know, and listen to the album. There, there's a 
by the way, the album, I very highly recommend it to our listeners. you got to get your hands on this. And uh, there's a number of tracks that are really are my favorite. Here's a couple of my highlights that I thought they were really nice. Indian Day Summer is awesome. That greasy thing is really funky, man. Yeah, you even throw in a bluesy, that uh, bluesy, I think it's Wishing Well. And, uh-huh. and I think that's where Nathan uh, does that great bone solo, man. It's just really, really nice, you know? Yeah, that's the uh, uh, Love Jungle and Greasy Thing were written by Dave Richardson. Yeah. Both great songs. And Wishing Well is the only song on the CD that isn't an original song. That was written by our friend Michael Ruff. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, Nathan takes a, a very cool trombone solo on that. Yeah. You know, one thing that I did notice is, um, you know, in this project, it's very interesting. So, the but you've really injected that, what I'd consider that, that Latino vibe into some of the tracks. In fact, you actually throw in a Spanish ballad, uh, Si Te Vas, um, yeah. which translated in Spanish uh, for everybody is, If You Leave Me. Quisiera ser tu todo Quisiera ser Tú siempre quisiera ser tu mundo, quisiera ser perenne, sin más razón, te alejas de mi vida y el dolor. Me abraza, sabes bien, tu presencia viste mi alma de felicidad, pero si te vas, mi sol no emanará, pero si te Entre mentir y verdad existiré confundido si te
this is the type of song that just reminded me as if this was this song was just written for Luis Miguel to do. You know, it has that feel that he could do something with it. I mean, I mean, not that you didn't, but it's beautiful the way it is. But it's just yeah. got that presence of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we we actually submitted the song to. I mean, all the guys in Luis Miguel's you know circle are friends of ours. Like yeah. I told you, uh, my brother Lenny worked with Luis, and we actually got the song to the musical director and told him, look. <laughs> When songs are coming around, you yeah. know, and he's looking for songs for the next record, sure, have him consider this because it is one of those kind of songs. It's a, it's a, a powerful, uh, you know, uh, uh, emotional ballad. Yeah, you know, it's done in a really, you know, beautiful way. Of course, the the way that it is here on this record, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's it's obviously it goes into the whole jazz. Sure, right. It breaks it down. Yeah. Yeah, it would it would have to be edited or you know changed for him to do that. But the song, the verses, choruses, etc., that'd be perfect for somebody like Luis Miguel. Sure. In, f- in fact, it's funny. You know, it, it, something just hit me. I think Luis Miguel even has a song of the same title, "Si Te Vas." It's a faster type of other song, but I think uh, if, you might check that out. I think he's got one of the same title as that. But uh, it's funny. Now you mentioned your brother Lenny, and I was I meant to ask you about him earlier, but uh, man, he's. You know, I got to see him too, and I came out to see your show in, in uh, a couple of years ago. But he's he's an extremely talented vocalist, and and uh, he you know he usually hops up on stage for a few tunes you know during the night. And what else does he do? What what else is he involved in outside of uh, the, the band? Lenny Lenny is um, does a lot of jingle work. Okay, really. And um, he's he's one of those guys. In fact, you know, if you ever talk to Bill Champlin, he's like. You know, he'll tell you about Lenny. Lenny is one of those guys that's like a machine in the studio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can go in and you know multi-track and stack harmonies and vocals so flawlessly. I remember one time we did some stuff with with Champlin and and Lenny was um, doubling the parts and and uh, it was so dead on and so perfect that Bill had to offset or detune <laughs> one of the tracks slightly so that there was that. You know that analog, natural thing that happens. <laughs> he had to detune his voice. That's a d- yeah. It was. It was like. It was like. It was almost like um, creating an out of phase situation. Right. It was so perfect. You know. Wow. Jeez, so amazing. so so he does a lot of that. That's that's you know that's Lenny's uh, one of his strong suits. You know. You know. You did one other track, and I, before I leave this uh, little Latino thing, um, you did one of the tracks that actually sounds, not sounds, but it, it really is, it, the beginning of it sounds just like a, a Willy Chirino salsa tune, and I think that's Into the Light, if I'm not mistaken. Really nice, some piano work, and then some vocals come in, and of course, the horns take it from there, but uh, um, I, I think that's uh, that's really neat. That That's a testament as to the blend that you talked a little about that stew that you guys create all together musically. You follow me? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's always going to be there. It's just part of us, you know? Yeah. Um, Into the Light was written by Nathan Tenoy. And, uh, I mean, it's, just, it's a beautiful song. It's amazing, you know? And, and see, we can get away with all of that. You know, it's, it's funny. It's been a curse and a blessing, this whole thing of our variety right. and our ability to be chameleons and, and move between the genres, you know, fluidly. Mm-hmm. Because ever since the beginning of the inception of the band, there was always a... You know, when trying to get a record deal, you know, we were too rock for the R&B labels and too R&B for the rock labels and too Latin for everybody and when too R&B for the Latin labels. and You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's always, it's, it's sort of been the kiss of death in one sense, but on the other hand, we've always just decided we were just going to stay true to ourselves and yeah. do what we do best. Yeah. 
and bring it from the heart, you know, and yeah. let the chips fall where they may, you know. Absolutely. And you know what else is a testament to that is you you mentioned that you, you guys don't really promote yourselves. I mean, you guys don't really do any heavy advertising promotions and that type of stuff. It's all word of mouth. And how passionate can you get about your music, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we don't we don't really have any machinery set up for yeah. mm-hmm. for promoting the band. It's it's a word of mouth kind of thing and and it's amazing though how quickly it's spread, you know, and little you know, I mean like me doing this interview today, I mean, this is gonna be really helpful, you know, and I mean it's amazing. We get we get people from almost every country who who finds us, you know. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, musicians in Russia and in, you know, wherever, yeah, right? Right, exactly. And they'll buy a CD, and the next thing you know, we've got all these other fans right. that, you know, it's like us, right? I mean, you hear something great, and you want to share it with your friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're right about the, the the global appeal. You know, one of our correspondents, our new correspondents, is in, is in Germany, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be able to, to plug this in and uh, try to get some, some traffic and, and really push your album. Your, your album is called, the brand new album is called When the Curtain Goes Up. And uh, how can we get our hands on this? This is a. a you, can get the, you can get the CD at CD Baby, mm-hmm. and you can also get it at StrokelandRecords.com. That's uh, you know Tower Power uh, Doc Kupka's right, right, right. So mm-hmm. so they've got it at Strokeland, and they've got it at CD Baby. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have it up on iTunes as well? You know what? They're getting ready to to set that up now as we speak. We're we're still getting all the all the all the uh, uh, internet download things. Together. Well, it's kind of interesting what you said a second ago about how, you know, the word just spreads. And, and uh, we, a lot of our audience uh, for Inside Music Cast is, you know, I'd say about 40 or 50 percent of the audience is here in the States, but the rest of it is, you know, the other 40 or 50 percent is uh, in Europe, uh, a lot of, you know, Europe uh, and Japan and, and other areas like that. And those are the guys, you know, the guys that are listening to us in Europe are the guys that are very serious about, you know, the, the genre of, of, of uh, you know, musicians and kind of people we're talking to. And I was just having a couple of chats on Facebook the other day with a few of them. And, and you know, I mentioned your name and it's like, oh, yeah, we know about those guys. You know, <laughs> we've got all their albums. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. The first time I went to uh, Scandinavia with Bill Champlin, yeah, right. or the times I went to Japan, we I'd get off the plane over there, and there was people that knew everything that I'd ever played on. <laughs> Everybody I knew. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're hardcore. <laughs> they uh, are, man. Um, they are. You know, West Coast music fans, without yes. a doubt. Yep. And uh, I love them. Mm-hmm. I love them. <laughs> I do. We do too, man. Those guys keep us going. You know. We mentioned earlier that you're uh, uh, you're going to be at the Tropicana through the end of uh, April. I think April 26th. And then uh, where are you headed after that? Do you have any idea where? We haven't decided. We're, right now, I'm in I'm in negotiations and talking with a couple of the other places. Okay. And the Tropicana, in the meantime, is trying to figure out some way to hold on to us while they're renovating that room. Okay. So it's kind of up in the air, but if. If everybody checks in on our website, you know, mm-hmm. uh, actually you can go to San, the San, uh, see, Santa Fe Band dot com, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, which is much shorter than going to Santa Fe and the Fat City Corn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just got that together. We're in the process right now of consolidating our whole web presence mm-hmm. yeah. and trying trying to streamline everything. So we've got a new website under construction. Good, and, good. And I told you we're going to finally get the band picture done Tuesday night. It's <laughs> <laughs> about time, man. Jeez. <laughs> People will check in on the on the sites. You know, uh, you can find us on Facebook, etc. Right. Uh, everybody can find out where we're going to be at. 
Well, I hope you're uh, hope you're playing somewhere on May 21st because I'm going to be out there for a week and I'm dying to see you guys play. So <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, by May 21st we'll definitely be somewhere. All we will right. be down for more than a week if we have to be. Outside of uh, Santa Fe, any other projects that you're working on down the road here in 2010? Well, you know what? I do a lot of stuff for, uh, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I just uh, finished some stuff for some, from, for a Tejano group. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, last year I did a, some stuff for a group called Tortilla Factory. Do you remember them, Eddie? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I sure okay. do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I did some stuff for them, and it was nominated for a Grammy last year. Wow, very and, cool. Um, and I did some stuff recently for a group out of New York, a salsa group called uh, Ritmo de Vida, that's mm-hmm. also, you know, got a nomination. Sure, nice. And uh, so I do a lot of studio stuff, you know. I do a lot of tracking and, and vocal stuff for for TV and all kinds of things, you yeah. know. And uh, in the meantime, my real focus, I'll be honest with you, all that stuff is great. What I'm really doing is I'm concentrating on writing new stuff for Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's really where my heart is at. And, sure. and my, my, my dream is to one day actually turn this into a gig. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, we're like, we could go out to Europe and do a few. No doubt. Know, oh, that would be awesome. And, uh, you know, go across the country and, and take our healing with us, you know. You're done right. That's right. Well, you've definitely got the right team with you and the, and the right passion and the right heart, Jerry. So thank you so much for being with us, man. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Really. Yeah, we really appreciate it, and uh, we'll stay in touch, too. We want to find out what's uh, happening with you guys, and, and when you hit the road, you know, when that dream comes true, we want to be there and, and uh, talk to you about it. Thanks so much for your support. All right. Well, take care. Okay, guys. All right. Talk to you later. We'll Bye-bye. see you. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Jerry Lopez for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Also, very special thanks to the Inside Music Cast correspondents, Scott Gross, Kim Riley, Max Zape, and Brian Pearson. And check out our new website at InsideMusicCast.com, where you can join in on forum conversations about the musicians we cover here on Inside Music Cast, as well as a variety of other music-related topics. You can also catch up on past interviews, read the Inside Opinion blog, and check out bonus content that we'll be posting often. Find us at InsideMusicCast.com. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.